Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friendly Ties podcast. Today, we are here to talk about the board game Carnegie. I'm here with my friends, John and Anastasia. Hello. Hello. Carnegie is a game that came out kind of is interesting. You could say that it came out this year, but I played this game for the first time uh, in 2021 with John because yeah, the start he, of the year January yeah, 2021 yeah. yeah it's been a while because it was on Kickstarter yep. and um, John has if you're if you're curious you want to know more about Carnegie uh, you can watch his tutorial playthrough uh, which he was prepping for at that time which is yep. why you know we played it back then and uh, I actually played a lot of Carnegie after that because they put it on board game arena in 2021 and then changed the game based on people's plays of it uh, and then actually kind of released the final version, which came out later this year. And John also has a video where he does a playthrough with friends, not with Anastasia or myself. I he, have other friends, might, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, you to hear that, but um, <laughs> he plays with, uh, plays with Matt and they do a two-player game of that. But you can, you can check out both of those videos on his channel. Uh, so Carnegie is, is a, it's a Euro game. It's a, I would say, medium heavy somewhere between meteor medium side i would say (laughs) and it is it is an action following game it takes exactly 20 turns the person who's kind of at the the top of the order of that turn is going to choose an action and then everybody's going to take that action that turn in the game you're going to sort of expand out your they're called projects but it kind of it almost looks like a rail game map where you're sort of like putting discs down to connect a network on this map you're going to be building out your company where you have kind of different action options that will uh, affect these sort of four different actions that you can take throughout the game. And you're going to be making donations throughout the game, which essentially is just the game's thematic way of saying how you're going to do some end game scoring. Yeah, that's the kind of brief overview. But uh, this game has been popping up hot on your channel john it's uh (laughs) it's not only those two videos but it almost went for for two consecutive months of game of the month for you i think that's true yeah yeah i do a a vlog at the beginning of the month talking about like my favorite game experience etc for the last month and yeah i've just been playing this game a lot in fact that's been a a common theme uh so i got my uh, i backed the kickstarter I, i did a sponsored video for it and i thought the game was so interesting that i was like hey nick it's January 2021, I guess. And I was like, yeah. let's l- play this game. Like, I just made a video for it, and we both liked it. You went on, and you played it, like, 50 times on Board Game so Arena. How many times, times have you played it? Like, I want to know. Like, what oh, is the good number? Question. You keep keep the conversation yeah. going. I'll look so Nick played it a, baz- a bajillion times on Board Game Arena. I didn't touch it again until I got my Kickstarter version, because I actually backed it. I paid money for it. I-, I was paid to make a video, and then I was like, I want to pay money for this game. And then I've played it... Uh, 10 more times over the last two months. Uh, five of those times have been in the last three weeks. And then, <laughs> so right now, we're recording on a Sunday morning. Last Sunday, we taught it to Anastasia for the first time. And Anastasia, how many times have you played Carnegie now? Well, <clears throat> I have played it nine times in the last <laughs> week, including staying up until 1 a.m. last night playing it with you, John. That's so true. I <laughs> I played 11 times total and you've played nine times and all nine of yours are in the last seven <laughs> days, six days. It's just crazy. So obviously this game up. 
it's a bit of a, a brain worm. It gets in your mind. I was just going to say that if Anastasia, if you keep playing at nine, uh, nine per week, you're going to overtake my 70 games of this pretty soon. <laughs> 70. <laughs> holy crap. Yeah, 70. 66 online. And then I would say probably about five ish, uh, like with, with you on TTS or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. 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 It definitely warms you. You know what's crazy though about this? Okay. So like speaking of this January, 2021 play, like I want to like call this out for a moment because I was there, like I didn't play with you, but you know, this was in the middle of the pandemic. This is when we were playing games on TTS all the time, which we, we still do, but we were playing them so often that like rooms would just be open. And like, if you were bored, you would like just come in and like, listen and like hang out. And I like specifically remember this. I had, I don't know what I was doing that night, but like, I, I wasn't playing with you guys. And I remember that I like showed up at the end and I was cleaning. I remember that like I was cleaning and you guys were playing and it was, you did like final scoring and then you were talking about it and I was just listening and hanging out. And I, I kind of remember your feelings on it kind of being somewhat conflicted. It wasn't, it wasn't like you didn't like it, but it was like, oh, that was a, that was an interesting experience, but I, I don't know what it is, but like, I need to play it again. I want to say this. I felt at the time they were like a little lukewarm. Not not like that they were bad. It was just like, oh, I need to explore that more. But there was nothing that you said to me at the time that made me be like, oh yeah, I like I gotta make a point to like learn that and play that. But like I but you also kept telling me, Oh, I think you're gonna like it. So I like was like, okay, like I put it, like I hung it on a tree, right? And I was like, All right, we'll get to that. But all that has happened over the last year is and then suddenly you guys started talking about this game nonstop. And I was like, what is it? What is it about this game that is like that has gotten you so much? Because that first play, I just didn't feel like it was going to become one of these games that like, and then for John in particular, like these last two months, like it's just been like I won't shut up like, about it. Car- yeah, I know, and I so <laughs> I gotta admit to you guys when we went to learn it or when I went to learn it last Sunday, I really wanted to play it, but I had somewhat I don't want to say low expectations, but I just I was like. I just didn't kind of know if it was really gonna grab me and and like what happened in that first play. I kind of felt the same way. This is this is a game. Yeah, you, you were not happy to... in that first play. No, <laughs> no, I it wasn't. <laughs> you, th- this is a game you have to play more than once. Like it's I, such I gotta a weird say, game. It is a weird game. It is wonderful. We're gonna talk about it for probably the next hour. <laughs> like <laughs> buckle in. But it it is one of those games that I don't want to say it like. Again, I I don't want to be be too harsh on it. It's not. It's just that first play. You just you can't possibly take it in. You're you're just you're gonna kind of like fall on your face, and you're gonna be like, this game is weird. I think I said the same thing about Ark Nova actually at the time, and now I love Ark Nova. So like, it's just one of those games that it unfolds. It's like it's like a flower. It just like opens itself up. Like I I don't know. Someone else take that and run with it. Well, so one like Ark Nova is a game that that pulls from a lot of other games, right? A lot of people say like Arc Nova is a really nice innovation, but it is not an invention, right? It doesn't have new mechanisms in it. When I explain the concept of Carnegie, like someone takes an action and people follow, it's like, oh, it's Puerto Rico. It's Race for the Galaxy. I've played this kind of game before. And I really don't think Carnegie is like it. I actually do think that it is quite a fresh take on what Euros can look like. And I think part of the reason... John, and please correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm making an assumption. But I think part of the reason, John, why you like it so much is it is a Euro game with that shared incentives component that you love so much about 
um, the rail games that you've been yeah. really into, the Cube Rails games. Yeah. And everything in this game is so deeply interconnected between the players that um, it just it moves in a way that has this co-oper competitive you know, sort of like, <laughs> yes 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 what is that word yes it. yes honestly i just i have co-opted the term uh semi-cooperative for that feeling mm-hmm. like i think like, like mm. some people talk about semi-cooperative games but like it, it, with the idea of being like it's cooperative until suddenly it's not or something like that that's but, how i think of it but yeah. that's interesting but that i, I you, see that you this is like put that on here yeah I, I agree with you, Nick. That is definitely part of the reason why I enjoy it. And I think there's a, a couple different reasons for it. Um, also, fully agree that this game feels... It's one of the freshest Euro games I've played in a very long time. I'm honestly... I mean, maybe since Anno 1800. Uh, did I play a game where I was like, yeah. wow, what the heck? And then people are like, well, what's the game like? And you're like, uh... <laughs> yeah, like Ark Nova, <laughs> you're like, oh, it's like Terraforming Mars, and it's like Civilization New Dawn, and, and like a lot of games you can like rattle off a whole bunch of things. Oh, it's like worker placement. But with Carnegie, just saying it's a lead-follow game is is honestly almost a misnomer because of, you know, if you're really deep into the board game hobby and you played a bunch of these, you're, you're instantly going to false comparisons, like Puerto Rico, for example. Right. You know, in Puerto Rico, the active player chooses an action, everybody gets to do that, and then printed on that action... The active player gets a benefit. They get a leg up on everybody, and that's always the case. Um, now, that leg up might not necessarily be good for you in that exact moment, but, like, I, honestly, it's been so long since I played Puerto Rico. I don't remember the specific actions, but you just, you as the active player get the best version, and everybody else gets a subordinate one. Boon Lake is also similar. You as the mm. active player, you get, like, yeah. half, you, you get the full action, and everybody else just gets a half action. In Carnegie, there's none of that. In Carnegie, the way the action selection works is you say, okay, we're doing a uh, construction action. Everybody can construct, but the way the game works is for every type of action, there's four different types of actions, they're all mechanically identical in that everybody looks at their own player board and you have little department tiles that match up these icons. And if a construction action happens, then everybody activates all of their construction departments. And this is where the game can get kind of um, asymmetric with the strategy and whatnot because I might have different construction departments than Nick does, but if I choose the construction department, I don't get a natural benefit like just about all of these other lead follow games do. In fact, it's very possible that I could choose the construction action and Nick has more construction buildings than I have and they might be better prepared to utilize this. So maybe I will only put two discs down on the board constructing them onto the map and maybe Nick puts four of them down and then I probably shouldn't have done that, right? But it's just really interesting that this game takes away the natural, the active player gets something better uh, interface. And I think that's really where the shared incentives come into play because you have to figure out what action has a emergent benefit for you because the game doesn't just have it printed on the card like most of this type of game does. Right, like it's entirely possible for you to take an action that's actually better for your opponent, like, or for your opponents. Like, Not only it's, possible, it's... but you're going to do it repeatedly. And then after the fact, <laughs> yeah, like... smack yourself in the face and be like, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and it's so funny. Cause I remember, I, I think it was after a couple plays in that I started to say to you guys, like, it doesn't remind me of any specific game, but it reminds me of the 
feeling of a lot of different games but like if i said them to you you'd be like like what like which i'm gonna totally do right now but it like this game almost reminds me more of concordia than it reminds me of of puerto rico like even though there's like there's this action follow the this 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 element of take one action do one specific thing mm. there's just something about that that reminds me so much of concordia and the strategy concordia being uh my if not probably still probably my all-time favorite game there's a strategy in concordia that is so much about knowing the actions that your opponent has and knowing the actions that you can take and trying very carefully to play your cards in a way that are good for you but anticipate what your opponent's going to take and what they're going to do and kind of like open things up and that that is the same feeling that i get playing this game it's like i what am i going to choose to do that benefits me but then what is John going to choose? And it, but what's so cool about it is it adds the element that we both get to do both things. So no matter what, you were always doing something. And that actually, like Nick, you said, it just takes the action follow idea and makes it into something so fresh and so new that I don't even know I can call it an action follow because it's not yeah. even like one person's doing action and you're following. It's like you're both doing the action the advantage being turn that order. one of you gets to do it for exactly turn order. And just well, saying that the action happened. If nobody right. picks construction for the entire game, which is possible, then no, nothing gets constructed. Like there's no, there's no gamified incentive. Like if people keep skipping construction, it's not like you're putting money tokens down onto it to, uh, until somebody finally takes it. Like you could literally go the entire game and never construct. Probably not going to happen, but the game says, sure. I mean, if you want to play the game that way, maybe that's the way the incentives fall out for you. This game, ha I think I've mentioned before how much I love a build-your-own asymmetry component in uh, in a lot of Euro games, and yeah. this game very much has that. I could just try to like copy John's strategy exactly, like build the same buildings and try to like move the same meeples there, and like largely that would probably work, except for at some points I have to decide first. So you know it doesn't doesn't work perfectly, but you can play a version of this game where everyone is playing a very similar very tightly tuned kind of game or you could play a version of this game where you're like you know what i'm going to be really good at management i'm going to build a freaking huge company that has all these different options in it and when i do i get all sorts of resources and everyone else is crap at it but if i do that inherently it means that i'm going to suck a little bit more at the other actions and so the two of you might then lean into i'm going to be heavy research or i'm going to be heavy construction and this this like component of i'm deciding how similar or different I want to be from other players means that this game is going to play out really differently, entirely based on the choices that the players are making in the game. Yeah, absolutely, I agree more. absolutely. Uh, and and John and I were talking about that at the end of our game last night. Like John described it perfectly as he was going, "This game is like fencing. Like it's like everything mm, you do, and that. because." It's so close. You're, you're never going to make any huge moves. You're never going to like run away with something and something that you do. Maybe you get like one turn where you manage to like, you do an action and you, you manage to get it so that your opponent didn't have any, uh, any employees to be able to do that. And you're like, Oh good. Like I kind of got that little edge here or I put them on their back feet or I did this, but it's still pretty tightly wound because of that element of those choices and that the ability to react so subtly to what each other is doing. So John and I were like looking at our boards and, and, and I actually beat John last night and we were trying to figure out what gave me the game. And as we were going through it, it was like, 
well, what if, what if we done this? Or what if this card had been here? What the, and the thing is, I was like, well, if you'd done that, then I would have done this. And then the game would have yeah. played out completely differently for the rest of the game. And he's like, well, what if I had done this? And I'm like, yeah, but then I would have done this. And if you'd done that, like I would, like the fact that the game can mold itself in such that there's like no one component. My, my takeaway from that whole discussion was like, there's no one component that you can say at the end of one of these games that you're like, if only I had done X, Y, and Z, like that's not, it, there's not, it's impossible because yeah. the, the, the back and forth of it, as you said, Nick, it's, it's such a tight system that is, that is essentially the whole game is like these, these shared incentives that play out in this, this very semi-cooperative way, which yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to try to adapt that term because I've never used it in this way, but I guess <laughs> that I, like, it just, I, it's not how I think of it. Just because it guess makes sense to me doesn't mean it makes sense for other people. About how <laughs> yeah, it's not. Come up with a better word then. I need a new I word. Mean, but shared incentive works, right? It shared incentive works. I guess, but it doesn't feel like that either. <laughs> right, because there's no stocks. Like usually when you say here's shared incentive, you think stock markets and all that kind of stuff. There, There's there's none of that in this game. I and, guess because I don't think of it as like a benefit. Like cooperative, I feel like you're trying to do something together. Like is this is like sort of like, oh, you have to take my action with me. Like, <laughs> like I yeah, don't this, know. This is a like, did you bring everything for the class? Like did you bring enough yeah. for the class? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single action you take this game is did you bring enough for the class? But they're your opponents. So yeah. I have an analogy I'd like to uh, belabor for a second, and I want to see what, what you two think about it. Because uh, so I played this game, you know, quite a bit. Obviously, not nine times in one week, but um, I, I've taught this game to a whole bunch of people, so I have a lot of experience of seeing new players to the game, and I've seen uh, some new players fall flat in their face. I've seen other new players beat me in their very first game, which is you know an ego check. <laughs> uh, but I, I've seen a, a wide variety of things, and and as far as analogies go. I, I see this game as as you get better at it, it changes in its feel. Like I see your first couple plays of this one as dancing, like like together, like you and your opponents are all kind of doing this, uh, you know, modern ballroom dance. But like it's it's a weird one. Like the very first time, you're going to be kicking each other's shins and like falling down <laughs> on the ground at the same time, and just being like, "Wow, I'm terrible at this dance," or at least. A lot of people are, and you end it. You end it, and you're like, "Holy cow! That's it. Looked like an easy dance. Like from afar, I watched other people doing it, and I was like, oh yeah, I get it.' But then I tried doing it, and I just I fell flat on my face. And then you play a couple more times, and you're like, okay, I'm starting to get this dance. Like yeah, like I'm doing the HR action to move these people around, and then you're managing to send people out, and then Nick's constructing, and then we're all putting discs out, and we're all just doing this dance, and we're almost like cooperating, trying to get little edges here and there, but we're just so effective. All of our scores are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then what I've noticed is like, as you start to play it enough times, like, you know, in like three to five range, it varies from person to person. It's almost like you're dancing now, but suddenly everybody's starting to pull out knives. <laughs> so like, and, and or swords you know to, st starting to work into yeah. the, like the, the fencing analogy a little bit like it like goes organically from like dancing to dancing showing each other swords but not really using them <laughs> to then suddenly dancing. you're just like not dancing anymore and you're just fighting with swords and and that's what i've kind of noticed as it goes on so that's why like some of these games do feel cooperative because like we could just ping pong back and forth like all kind of doing the things trying to get our small edges but then, so from my experience, I'd played all these games, teaching a bunch of new people, seeing like people kind of figure out these dance moves. And then a few nights ago, I played it with Nick for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, the very first time I played this was with Nick. 
<laughs> and it was Nick's first play as well, and he of course won right. that first play. But then we played it a few. Um, well, I guess that was a week ago when um, Anastasia. It was my first game. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I like every other turn, I was just like, oh my gosh! Like Nick would do something that was so not dancing with me. <laughs> like, and, and I was just kind of getting used to playing this like game Nick, and like going with the like flow and to, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and Nick would do a thing and I'd be like that never even occurred to me what the oh my gosh that makes so much sense and I was realized that I had gotten comfortable being good at the dance like I've won this game like 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 the actual first place points in this game over half the times I've played. And I started to get this kind of ego about it because I, I try not to, but like you can't help it. Like you keep winning. You're like, oh, I guess I'm good at this game. And I think I got really good at the Carnegie dance. And then I played with Nick again and I was like, oh, I suck at the Carnegie knife fight. <laughs> like like when this game when everybody is kind of shared incentiving and stuff like I, it works with my brain and i could really do very well um but then i kind of fell flat on my face um playing against you know nick that one time and i learned a whole bunch of new things which was cool to be like my 10th game and be like oh my gosh there's so much more to this game but to kind of like end this this long thing that i'm saying here Anastasia played that first game against you know me and Nick. I kind of full fight in my face because I was like, I thought we were dancing here, and I'm good at dancing. And apparently it's a sword fight. <laughs> and then Anastasia played this eight more times over the week, almost every one of those plays against very high-level ranked people on board game arena. People I'd call Nick. Nick's yeah. Nick adjacent. Not <laughs> Nick. Nick adjacent I played Nick people. one more time, but I played Nick clones. So to kind of end this, I don't think Anastasia's ever done the Carnegie dance. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. you kind of went right into that like you just you learned carnegie fencing right out of the gate and yeah. and then oh. when we played last night we were like literally it's a 20 action game we were the second action in and i paused the game and talked for like 10 minutes because i was like oh my gosh like like just seeing the things that you were doing i was like crap yeah, i'm like playing against nick <laughs> like you were making all these in. smart decisions <laughs> and i was like i regret everything already and the game has only just started what the heck is going Nick, on? Nick had taught me this thing to do. So, so like, let, let's... <laughs> let me show you this dirty trick, kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, this is the thing. Okay, you know, we talk a lot about Nick winning. I love Nick. Nick knows this. But, oh, my God, in this game, Nick is bleep this. He's an <laughs> And in that in that first game, you know, I just want to say this, like, this game, so it's 20 action, four types of actions. You think, when if you don't really, aren't thinking any better, you think every action's going to occur five, five times. times. Right. Obviously, right? No, 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 no. Then not only are they not going to occur five times, maybe they, they could, but it's entirely possible that they won't. They also are not going to occur five times in any given order. You could have five of one action in a row and then you do another which you know if you played any you know worker placement game that involves like constructing an engine you know with your basic like hire produce construct you know research and those aren't the actions but you know that they, they they're versions of them here you kind of need to do those in an order to execute them like you need to like get workers and you need to build buildings to then be able to do things well in this game you don't need to do those in any order the order is decided by the other players and nick does this thing which he did in the first game which is he just like he'll take the same action again or he'll take the action that like no one needs except for him and so like suddenly you're like oh, oh my god why would you do that again like that that's so bad and he's like well you know it's good for me or it's worse it's, for yeah, you. It's, it's worse it, it for you. It isn't even that good for him, but it's way worse for <laughs> like, you. It's worse right. for it's, you. 
So last night, second play in, Nick had taught me this thing, which is there is an action that is very commonly taken at the beginning, which is called management, which is essentially to build another building on your board. You, you do other things, but early in the game, that's kind of like the first turn. That's like you build your asymmetry, the, essentially. Yeah, you build yeah. your asymmetry. And when the first time you take it and Nick had taught me this thing, there's this kind of mechanic where you can you can choose on some of the buildings, whether you send workers out to the board and then you get better better stuff for them or you keep them on your company and you get less good stuff but if you keep them they stay there and they can work for you again and so he was like he did this last week he was like why would i send them out because you sent yours out so i'll just keep mine here wait for you to send yours out and then i'll just take the action again and then you won't have any workers to do it and i'll then get to send them out so not only do i get the send out bonus i also get to keep them bonus and i got to do the action twice and you got and i was like that's genius i feel like i can see you like putting the oil in your mustache and like twisting it as you're explaining this <laughs> this is the problem because john you're so right i didn't learn the dance because i played with nick the first time yep. which is by the way why i then played it nine times guys like i didn't i didn't play it nine i mean actually i mean i did really enjoy it but part of that like john said to get through those early games where you fall on your face is you're like why am i falling on my face right so then i like had to play it more to figure out why i was falling on my face and then suddenly you know to survive i needed to learn all the dirty tricks which are not dirty they're just they're they're just they're they're, they're running smart. straight for the knives right yeah yeah so yeah so john last night the first thing he does takes management he sends all his workers out i leave mine there and then he's like what are you doing and then I'm we like, had a 10 minute talk where i was just yeah. like <laughs> well was like just holding my head in my hands just like that makes so much sense. Um, I, I genuinely I just, thought you were like upset with me because they were like, I think I was upset like, with myself for not seeing it. <laughs> oh I was like, I thought, I thought we were dancing. I go onto the board, then you go onto the board, and then right. I leave the board, and then you leave the board. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing staying behind? Oh it no, you're going to manage again. <laughs> it genuinely did have that feeling to go with John's metaphor that like he went out to dance. And then, like, I turned around and, like, knifed him in the back. and was like, oh, I found someone better. <laughs> in conclusion, it's not Pride and Prejudice. It's Game of Thrones. Watch out, y'all. <laughs> yeah. and, and to that point, actually, I remember when this game first came out, there were, like, a couple threads on BGG about, like, what's the highest you've scored in this game? Uh, but that's not really the point because I'm not playing this game to score the highest, like you are in a lot of Euro games where it's like, I want to score the best. It's I'm playing this game to score the delta from the other players. I just need to have a better turn than you. And if I can have enough better turns than you for 20 turns, then I'm going to win. And it doesn't matter if I win with 100 points or 200 points. Um, it could be anywhere in there based on like what's what's going down and like how we've laid things out. So also just for folks listening, the like the nice version, right? The Pride and Prejudice version of this game is like you take management, you build your asymmetry. Then you like construct some people so that you send your projects out on the board, which now everybody has income. Maybe you do some research so you can open up your options of like other things to do again. Now everyone's income's a little bit better. And then someone takes human resources. You send your people out and then you reset this loop and you do that cycle again, maybe with more or less management, depending on how much people want to build out their companies throughout the course of the game. And if you just go through that loop, Everyone's like raking in tons of money, tons of cubes. I have all these options, different things to do. Um, but you can play versions of this game where no one wants to blink. People are playing to like 
like wait for each other i think one of the actions in this game that's the most dangerous action to take is human resources because when you take human resources you are the first one to move your people out and say this is this is how i've set up my company these are the actions that i'm good at and then the players following are going to do that after you but because you, you were first that turn you then pass the first player token and they're going to choose what happens for the next two or three rounds of the game depending on how many people you're playing with and so by taking human resources you put yourself in a situation where you're inherently on the back foot. You have to act first and they get to decide first, right? It's a bad situation to be in. And so sometimes you can get into these like weird wars of people staring down <laughs> each other. I played a game of this like a couple months ago with some strangers online. It was a three player game. And like one player was so mad at me that I wouldn't take the action that I needed to take because it was obtusely better for him. And then he got he got so angry about it like in the chat usually like board game arena like people just like play their own thing and like move on their lives this person was like raging at me in chat and then he proceeded to tank his game so of course the third player won that's how these games go um <laughs> and and like we just like wouldn't cooperate with each other and it was like a stilted very painful game where the third player was like okay well i'm gonna do this kind of crappy action on the side because at least it's something to do yeah. and it was just like it was one of the most brutal games of carnegie i've ever played um but you know there are other times even when you're like being very nasty you're doing the dance with the knives out you're still at the end of the day like saying look i want to research i want to put things on the board i want to have a high income i just want to do it a little bit better than you so there's nice versions of this game where everyone's kind of like doing the dance as john calls it there's nice ish versions of the game where i'm doing the dance but i want to make sure i'm doing it better for me and then there's just like straight up i will not help you like if it's better for you you have to do the work and like people can like really dig in their heels in this game which leads to some very strange board game states yeah <laughs> yeah i i do want to just take a minute to uh talk about some of the mechanics just a bit to make sure everybody's kind of on the same page about the the flow of, of these actions because we mentioned you know when you take this action like construction you activate all your construction buildings but the, the real key to that which is what nick was going off of is you only do the actions on those buildings if you have people on them and there is this flow that leads to talking about income which i really would like to start digging into where you have these people on your board it's an orthogonal you know square grid essentially and you move them onto departments and when they're there you can pay some money to activate them and then they can they're essentially actions now you can activate them uh, when you do those it's almost like in a worker placement game it's almost like putting your employees out you're like telegraphing what worker spots you're going to take like you're well, almost it... like committing to those spots, right? Like, it's, it's it's programming. I never really thought about yeah. it honestly oh, until yeah. about forty seconds ago when Nick was talking about this. But this game ha is is a programming game because you you have these potential actions, and then you have to spend an action to program, which is the human resources, to move these around, slotting them into little pegs so that they're ready to be activated later on. And then, like Nick said, you're telegraphing to everybody what your program is, and it's it's completely visible. You can see what everyone is potentially going to do, but then many of these actions remove that programming peg, that worker, from that space, and you put them onto the board. And this is where, where income comes into play, because, and I really want to talk, I mean, we've talked so much about the, the feel of this game, but like some yeah. of these <laughs> mechanics are super cool, and one of my favorite parts of this game is income. So you have this match with the United States, it's split into four different areas, and 
when you do when you send people out to the board, you might be forced into a certain spot, or maybe you have a choice. But this is a 20-action game, and in every one of the 20 actions, the first thing that happens is you move this pawn down this action grid, and it's going to show one of the four areas of the United States, or it'll say donation. But the primary thing is if you if you say do the construction action, before you even construct, you move the pawn onto the spot, and maybe it says Midwest. Now everybody who has a worker in the Midwest who they've sent out to the Midwest, removing it from their board, can pull that worker back, and that is the only time you take your income. And I'm not going to go into too many details because it's a podcast and it's hard to, to, to visualize these things. But the more tokens of the buildings you put on the board, the more income you get when you pull these people back. And then you also gain some extra income based off of some research and development you can do in these areas. But there is this cycle because when you bring them back, they go into a neutral hanging out in the lobby spot on your board where you then need to do another human resources action to program that worker back in. So there's this flow. They move out of the lobby into a department. They move from the department out onto the board and you hopefully put them on the, to the board onto a spot where an income will happen so they come back and they give you stuff. But like most Euro games that have income, if you think income, you're like, oh, there's probably an income phase. And when income happens, everybody gets their income and maybe some people get more income. No, this game also brings a knife fight idea into even getting income where you might go onto a, a, an area, intentionally put a worker down uh, into a region of the United States that isn't even that good to, for you, but you're the only one there because you know on your next turn you can fire off an income on that spot and then you get a marginal benefit over everybody else. So so not even just picking the action that you want to do, it's just the other perks that go along with the actions that also feed into this trying to get these tiny benefits. And I hope I didn't go too into the weeds, but I feel like this is one of the reasons why this game is so hard to describe. You're like, oh, it's a lead-follow game. But realistically, it's a competitive knife-fight income game, and if you lose the <laughs> income game, if, if you fail on income, you lose. Like, it, I, I could be wrong on this. I've only played this game, I guess, 11 times now, but income is being ready to capitalize on income is how you win. That's how you you fall on your face if you don't catch incomes. You do a bunch of cool stuff if you do. I think that drilling in on that binary aspect of income to me is the very clever mechanism here. It's that if I get an income, you know, I get the income for whatever my research is for that region on the board, some little perk, but then I also get the income for everything on my board. So it is, depending on how far you are in the game and how developed your board is, it can be the difference between like nothing and a lot of stuff. And so setting yourself up to like do those flows and make sure that you hit those like trickle income points is very important in the mid to late game. At the beginning of the game, you could maybe get away with doing something else or um, in a game actually that I was playing with Anastasia, she focused on getting a lot of meeples onto the board in one section, not because her base income was good, but because every one that she picked up was worth a lot of money. And so she used that as her as her piggy bank, um, which was actually a very clever way, Anastasia, of, of circumventing income in other fashions. So there are multiple ways you can interact with the income, and that is very cool, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I did that last night with John, too. Um, you know, we were actually playing with uh the expansion which i think we'll touch on a little bit later but it it i had a building that essentially gave me money for every other management building i had so i was using management to i think by the end between that and some other building i had like every time i took a management action i was like making like 27 dollars and is i was huge like, in this game yeah <laughs> like, i can't see my face being like oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a huge was, amount of money it was 
it was bomb and it was awesome and like and and so i was like so flush with cash but then of course we had no buildings that made uh cubes the two main resources in this game being money and cubes uh, are the cubes representative of something is there a... they're called goods resources. Good. So, uh... sorry okay <laughs> they're little white cubes i'll call them goods uh so yeah so anyway i needed to to then create a good uh income on the board but i, I want to take what you guys said and there, there's two things i wanted to kind of comment on and the first is is that idea of you know you have these 20 actions we talked about that there's four different types and then as john you just said the income every income is different and i will say in my first player two that was the most overwhelming thing because john programming is the perfect analogy for this is like trying to plan where to put people knowing when they'd come back that's true like putting them on the board knowing, is also like programming i didn't even it that is didn't even occur like to me. I, not knowing when they'll come back trying to anticipate what actions will be taken each one gives a different income you don't you only have so many meeples especially at the beginning and so you, it's like it, that is that can be a real brain twister and that i think is the hardest part of the game or at least for me that was the hardest part of the game to in my first few plays to kind of kind of grok right like i was just having a hard time thinking okay where do i put people when are they going to come back what actions might I take what is what what actions are other people going to take and and how do i compute all of that quickly and then as i quickly learned to kind of what you were saying nick is that speaking of this idea of like dancing there really is it, it, there's a flow to this game where you want to put people out you want them to come back but you want to leave them out so long enough so that they get more for you because you've built more so that generates more income off of your own personal board and so there's a, there's a timing aspect to that too that it, it just takes again to go back to that idea you got to play this game several times to really allow it to unfold it just takes time to like kind of allow that to happen but that also goes back for me to what i was talking about when i was saying you know how i, I don't feel like these games all the mechanics feel incredibly fresh but it does have the feel of other games for me and the the two other games that it feels like and these are uh, these are going to seem like massive stretches here but the first is this game reminded me a lot of Messina 1347 it, they're completely different games they play differently they want different things Messina has huge opportunities to pop off this game does not this is very tight like uh, the, I've even seen that as a criticism like you can't just like go crazy and pop off on things and and you can and you can't but like not in the same way that you can and in in a game like Messina but that flow of making your things work and getting your kind of engine going and getting things to kind of come together at the right time and that idea of the limited actions the 20 actions that you're going to have and Messina is very similar in the eight rounds that you're going to play and how are you going to make everything that you need to happen happen over this like finite amount of time and it just that's I, I really love that. I love that in Messina. I, I really like that here. I like that element of trying to get the timing of that right. But that can also lead to a lot of kind of like not so great feelings. And that's kind of my one kind of criticism of the game is in this idea of the knife fight, which it makes the game sound almost more aggressive than it is because you do have like a lot of control in what you are doing. It, it's not like I, I just want to kind of clarify that, but it also means that if things don't work out for you, you can, especially early on when you don't not 
overly familiar with the game, you can really fall flat on your face. And that's why this brings another comparison for me, which is I, I, I mentioned this game a lot. It's Grand Austria Hotel, which this game is nothing like other than in feel in that that is also a game where you can fall on your face to a certain extent. And we, uh, Nick and I also played recently Royal Palace. And it reminds me of that too, where you can kind of get yourself in a situation that you can't undo. But in, in, in Grand Australia Hotel, there's a luck component. And I'm going to equate that luck component to this idea of you don't know necessarily what your opponents are going to do. And yet you all are going to take, you know, kind of from this same, from these same actions. And that, you know, you kind of need things to work out for you in order for your things to, to happen the way you want them to happen. And there are going to be moments where you didn't and you need to adapt and you may not be able to, you may not have the people that you need to do, or you may not be like, they're just that, that can happen. And you kind of have to, I'm curious what you guys think about this. You kind of have to like be okay with having some of those not so great feelings that come. It's not always going to be like a high, I think right. in this game. Totally. I'm going to agree with one thing and disagree with another. So you brought up Grand Astria Hotel and the luck and the like knowing what other people do in this game. And there are a lot of games where I actually really agree that a form of luck is what other players will do. I would argue that in Carnegie, what I really like about this game is that I should be able to look at someone's board and have a sense of they're going to take this or this, right? Like, like those are really the options that are there because it's, very there's i don't think there's any hidden information nope there's no randomized components in the game like you can look at the board and figure out what's going on which can have an ap problem we'll come back to that later (laughs) maybe um but i also deeply agree with you that this game can have gameplays that have very bad feelings uh and the the thing is that there's there's no rubber banding in this game there's no kindness in this game if you are hyper vigilant it's going to work you have control over everything that kind of happens in the game, right? Like you don't have control over what the decisions other players make and that can come out to, to not work out for you, but it's not like you got a run of bad luck or, you know, this thing just didn't like happen out that way. Like most of the time you were like, I didn't think of that. Or like, I didn't consider your perspective of doing this thing. Or in the story that I told earlier, like I didn't consider that you would then essentially like <laughs> dig in your heels about the situation about it, right there's a, certainly a social component in all games right so like you can't anticipate those things necessarily uh and then you can really kick yourself because you can be like oh i should have seen that you were gonna do this or like ah, oh, like if i had just put this there first instead then i would have been better been prepared and you can you can really yeah. get oh, yeah. upset with yourself about how you did this game because it really is not a lot of things to blame except for yourself it's just like yourself. when it goes <laughs> it poorly true. you know whose fault it is <laughs> and it's really not luck as much as it is maybe i should have called it risk mitigation like totally more 100%. than a, that's really what i think is the comparison like i'm making between like grand austria so that's that's a great point nick that leads me directly to uh john from 11 hours ago uh, like I said, <laughs> we played this game last night. Uh, we finished like around eleven hours ago. I think it was ten hours ago. <laughs> not very one sleep ago. <laughs> uh, we Anastasia and I played this two-player game, and uh, I, I enjoyed the game. This was my eleventh play, and we had some expansion stuff. And again, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that soon. But I found that first third of the game to be 
I had lots of feels bad moments, like like for the exact reason you said. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I sh-. It was so obvious Anastasia was going to do this, and knowing that I should have done that, but I didn't, and I don't want to ask for a take back because that just feels antithetical to the feel of this game. Like sometimes we do take backs when it when you're genuinely just like I misunderstood a rule, but for this it was like, no, okay, that makes sense. Okay, we're rolling with it. This is one of those few games that kind of doesn't like want you to take take backs it's yeah. so tight because that, like, of the butterfly I, effect of every i've never like, oh. felt that before in a game we played until this one i literally last night i was like if john asks for a take back right now i uh, i'll say yes but i really won't want to like yeah. it, <laughs> it has that it has that feel right yeah. it's so it, it so depends on what they do so yeah so we were like a third of the way through the game and uh in anastasia had this bonkers uh management engine like she said she's raking in at this point, you know, like close to 20 bucks, like like seven rounds into the game, which is just an astonishing amount of money in this game. And and so I literally I told I was sitting there trying to figure out what action to do. And I said, what would Nick do right <laughs> now? What would, would like we're going like to make I, t-shirts. I just want to do a construction action because I've got three people ready to put three discs down onto the board. I've got income ready to grab. And if I put those discs down, my income is going to be better. But Anastasia is also in a position to put three discs down to the board. And sure, I'll do it first, but she'll do it second. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I had this feeling like I'm losing right now. Like Anastasia is totally outplaying me. Like she's been in an incubator for the last week. <laughs> like, like, like like a montage. Just like <laughs> <laughs> like fighting against all these incredibly ta- like, like good Carnegie players. Cue the music. Yeah. yeah, cue the music. Absolutely. Like I played her last Sunday and it was like. She, she fell on her face, and then, like, I played her last night, and she just knocked me the heck out. And I was just like, <laughs> what are these moves? So I was a third of the way through the game, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a Nick thing. And I did something that I never would have anticipated doing instead. I did an HR movement in a moment when I could actually do a couple, and she didn't. I pulled everyone out of my base research and development, which is something I've never done before. Um, research, and I moved them yeah. all into <laughs> construction, which is adjacent, getting uh, laying down so they're ready to, like, do a double build onto the board and uh that i I won't go into the nitty-gritty for why that was a bit crazy for me but it felt crazy it's something i've never even conceptualized before it sounds crazy and and anastasia was like what (laughs) the next turn anastasia was definitely going to just keep cranking that ludicrous marketing engine that she had and um because she had just hr totally put my back feet yeah totally so suddenly she hr again again. yeah Yeah. in order to move more people into the construction to anticipate the thing that i was about to do and and that that changed the texture of the game so much. And so then that middle third of the game, I was everywhere. Like I had people programmed for every single eventuality that Anastasia could do. And it, it felt and it suddenly like the game was like, yeah, like I'm getting it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm playing like Nick, like I'm, I'm figuring this out. Like no matter, no matter what you do, I'm right there. And there was a few turns where Anastasia was like, what the heck do I do? Like no matter what I do, it's great for John. But then yeah. we reached the last third of the game where I, had been flexible. I had been uh, like in a whole bunch of places and suddenly it became apparent that I was poor. And Mm. a huge part of the points in this game is donations. Um, There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, The first donation costs you five money. Seconds, 10. Thirds, 15. 20, 25, 30. It just keeps going up and goes crazy. It's tough. It's tough being a millionaire. It is really, right? (laughs) And, And you have eight natural opportunities to do donations throughout the game. And I realized it was too late in the game like, like, I was sitting on, like, six bucks, and Anastasia had, like, 28. And I was like, oh, like, I'm better than you on the board. I'm better than you on a, a couple of other things. But you are going to run away from me 
with these donations. You're just going to put more. She had a donation discounting building out. And, and and so suddenly, like, all my bobbing and weaving kind of felt for naught because the entire time that I was everywhere ready to anticipate all of Anastasia's actions, trying to put her on the back foot to stop her from running this, she was just getting a little bit more money, a little bit more money. And then that last third of the game, that's exactly what happened. She got three more donations than me and beat me by 20 points. And every donation can max out at about 12. So she beat me by essentially two donations and your donations being your like end games it's like a choose your own end game end criteria game scoring, yeah like two points for every token you've put down on this yeah. part of the board you buy them uh, yourself there's no like set and well there's a little set end game scoring but donations yeah. are like the one extras you pick for yourself yeah and and the last and i ended that game deflated and like i was sitting there and i literally we had this conversation i was like i'm trying i'm at war with myself in my brain because part of me is like am i unhappy because i lost and I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be that gamer who, like, only enjoys games when they're winning them. And I think maybe part of it is that I have won this game a bunch because I got really good at the Carnegie dance. And I started to get this ego that, like, okay, I'm good at Carnegie. And then I realized, you know, can, uh, once again, that I'm bad at the Carnegie uh, knife fight, essentially. And the other thing that really seeped into my brain as I was sitting there trying to figure out why I was, I was kind of kind of upset not not actively upset but like you know why am i not like oh good game you beat me awesome i think it's because of the strategy levels of this game and and where my brain has shifted over time um and what i realized is i think i might be enjoying carnegie less now that i think i'm good enough to the point where i should be good and like i, I hmm. think i was loving the exploration. I was loving the dance. I think I'd, I prefer dance Carnegie to knife fight Carnegie, but knife fight <laughs> totally. Carnegie is 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 better Carnegie. Like I feel like I graduated to a whole new echelon of the game, and I'm like, I'm not saying I don't like this game, but I'm like maybe I I like this one less because again, going way back to what Nick said before, like if you're in a tough spot, you put yourself there, and I was in a lot of tough spots and I was feeling negative about myself and like really kicking myself about it. I think because of this expectation, like this is my 11th play. I should be better than this. And, and it was just a strange headspace to find myself in. I, I ultimately, I, I did enjoy it. I woke up being like, yeah, that was a really good game. And obviously I got outplayed and that's totally fine. I don't mind being outplayed. I was mostly just upset with myself and yeah, it was just an interesting thing for me to mull over. I want to pump you up briefly because actually I, I really love that story and thank you for sharing. It's, <laughs> it's very interesting. But the thing that I want to pump up about it is that I, I mentioned this before, I think it's very hard to catch up in this game. Like it, this game is about like maintaining parody and then like getting your edges most of the time. If you're behind and you feel like you're behind, it's very hard to like, if you just kind of stay the straight and narrow, you're screwed. You're just going to lose to the player who's already ahead. And yeah. so I love the fact that you recognize that and said, I'm going to throw a grenade in this and yeah. see what happens. And like, it didn't work out, but the fact that you were trying to like shake things up is fundamentally, I think like a, a completely essential process to how you can try to break parody in this game. And, and in a lot of games in general, like I think it's a cool story, even though it didn't work out. Like I, yeah. I love that you did. I mean, that. maybe I lost by 20 points instead of losing by 30 or 40. Uh, like I think ultimately it was better for me to do the thing that I did, even though I didn't end up closing the gap. Yeah. I mean, the strange thing too, is if you just kind of kept playing the straight and narrow, maybe you still lose by 20 because that's just kind of the gap there. But then you have no chance of like hail marrying into, into like, uh, into like an, an end play and yeah. in this you actually gave yourself the opportunity um for that right and like giving your opponents the opportunity to like stumble somewhere is also i just think like such a core gaming strategy um when you're when you're playing from behind yeah but i do think that there's something 
interesting in this game about where the joy comes from because I think you make such a good point John in that it's gonna sound like I'm trying to find a way to say this but like I took a lot of enjoyment last night and in the the one play the, the one out of those nine times I played it I'd only won once before um the pre the play just previously to john and i had played against a, a new player on bj a stranger but bj told me it was their first game um which i mean arguably they could have played it in the past but i took a lot of enjoyment about around the spaces where i i kind of got you like i kind of had like got you moments you know like moments yeah. where i was like oh great john doesn't have any people i can kind of like like stab him here, like I, that's yeah. horrible. But like, it's like <laughs> that's like <laughs> also like, like oh, you fell into my trap. You did like, the thing I wanted you to do. <laughs> exactly. Like I yeah. Like I I set this up so perfectly, and like and or whatever. Like there was just like a lot of satisfaction in that, and I do think it brings up a sort of an interesting like existential feeling. Because, I, like I said, it felt the same way in, in the previous one I had where I was like, oh, they don't know that they shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> who am I? Like, who is this? And so, I don't know. I just think it it's interesting because that's why it kind of reminds me of Concordia a little bit, um, which is not how I feel in Concordia all the time necessarily. But there is a real pride I take in, like, finding ways to make my strategy work really effectively that kind of either blocks out. I don't want to say blocks out the other person, but like kind of gets those edges on the other players. And I think that that is a place where a lot of joy can come from this particular game. And I think that speaks to the idea of the like, for lack of a better term, the semi-cooperative nature that you, you, you are doing kind of the same things. You are looking for those little advantages because it is so tight. That is like the little spaces in it. But I do think that makes for an interesting thing because I definitely enjoyed those games where I was able to get those little wins I think more than the games where I just felt like I'm constantly on my back foot. This totally sucks. I've made a, in some cases I've made a game altering mistake, even like a misclick, you know, on BGA. Like I've like, and I'm just stuck here in the, in the shreds of my company, you know, miserable. And I had a play like that. I had like a totally miserable play where like I just screwed it up. And there's something interesting in that, that I, I hope continues to kind of, um, evolve over multiple plays but i think for me this is a game i only really want to play with people who like really know this game and i, I think that's maybe because nick has ruined it for me <laughs> and that now that i've seen the the deep strategy game that's the game i really want to play that's the game that's the game that is the game that brought me to playing it nine times in the last week that's the game that makes me be like i want to do better how can i get my score into the 160s how can i be playing at this level like i want to figure i want to unlock this thing and and that, that speaks you know we talked a lot about this in our last episode about when we we're talking about the world board gaming championships it's like you know nick has influenced a lot of the way that i like playing games because he's shown me i credit you with this nick you've shown me this world of playing games to get really good at them to figure them out to finding games that are capable of playing 70 times and still enjoying them because they have so many parts and pieces and they play so differently and 
and I, it's a little addictive. And so I, but it does make for an, a game that has an interesting space in my collection because this is a, definitely not a game I think I could just pick up and, you know, play with my partner or play with my friends who've never played it before. It's not, it's not that kind of game for me. This is a game I, I only want to play, you know, with, like I said, with people who really, who really know it and want to play it knife fight style. So there is something about this game that we haven't talked about yet that I, John, I, I know you have this, but I think your opinion of this game, Anastasia is a bit modified by the fact that you've played it primarily at two players and maybe once or twice at three players. I think that hmm. Carnegie is a fundamentally, it's the same action flow but the the way that you approach the game is fundamentally different at two and three and four players um and john i know you've played it at all those player counts so i'm, yeah. I'm curious if you Several agree times. with me but like the two-player game is murder i actually don't like playing the two-player game generally because it is just delta it is just can i outfence you in a three-player game or especially in a four-player game it is a lot more like I am going to make the primary decision 25% of this game, which means that I need to be ready to do things. I need to be ready to kind of like flow with the board. And it's more about like the timing or the jockeying for position of like which action I'm going to take at which time and what does that mean for someone. Further, in the four-player game and the four-player game only, every player gets an, a, a disc that says once per game, do whatever you like. You don't need to follow the leader. You can just mm -hmm. do your own thing, which allows you to break parity. It allows you to change your tactics. It allows you to set up cute plays, which I think is really, really fun. So I actually think inherently the four-player game is a nicer version of the game because if you say, I'm going to play this game net negative or like zero sum, and two or three of the other players say, well, we're going to play, you know, kind of cooperatively, then you lose. Like you need to be able to play this game and go to go back to John's dance analogy. Like you need to be doing the same dance that everyone else is doing. And if we're playing pride and prejudice dance game, then <laughs> your goal is to do that a little bit smoother. And if we're playing, we're going to knife each other game. Then your job is to knife a little bit harder. And I think that the, the, the four player version of this game is much friendlier um, and plays smoother. That's a really good point. Uh, that, that hadn't even occurred to me. But yeah, I played four players probably three times, three players many times, and two players also many times. I've, I have 11 plays now. And yeah, it, it just, it, it leans more into the being flexible and being uh, adapting when there's more people. You know, in a two-player game, I make a decision, you make a decision. I make a decision, we go back and forth. Only one other action happens between. In a four-player game, like you said, 25% of the time, it's a 20-turn game, you're going to make five decisions uh, and then roll with 15 other decisions that other people have made. And that really pushes you towards that, uh, th that, that, you know, being flexible. So yeah, may maybe I just prefer higher player count Carnegie because of the kind of game it uh, lends itself more towards. I mean, I still definitely enjoy the two player game. It just, <laughs> it, it can lend itself towards feels bad moments. And there's definitely feels bad moments in, in a four player game as well. I, I don't want to deny that, but yeah, the game is excellent in all those player counts. It just, it is, it is different. I will say, though, that the interesting thing about playing three-player, which, Nick, you're right, I've only played three-player twice, and those are my first, you know, once with you guys, once on BGA, those are the first two times, and and then two-player every time since. So it's a little faster, also just opportunity, but one of the things I took away from the three-player game was that 
you you don't come around to picking the action anytime soon. So I felt a lot less control. You know, of course, that was the game I was like falling on my face. But, you know, it can be really difficult to anticipate what's going to happen, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and how am I going to adapt to that, which I think makes your, to what you're saying, right? Is that friendlier, you have to kind of be set up, but it also makes it harder for you to have any control like kind of over what you're doing. Like if, if you didn't move your people into the right spots, like you could go several actions before you can fix, quote unquote, fix that, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I, and I think that's why, yeah, I think you're agreeing with me here that the, the four player game is, I need to set up so that things don't look bad for me over the next three actions, right? Like there were the next three decisions and that's that's part of it. Like folks are more inclined to play defensively because they have less control over the game. And I would actually argue that that is more fun. But if you're here to like really outplay your opponent, then the two player game is going to be smoother for that. And that's not to say that a four player game doesn't have those moments, right? Like the ability to, to, to cheat once per game is is actually massive like it, it, it you can your entire game plan can be based on like oh like john's going before me in the turn order he does this i'm gonna cheat on his turn so now it's my turn and i make the decision and i'm the only one who can do this of all four players on the table so this is going to be amazing and th- like from right. there hopefully run away with it uh i do want to very briefly touch on <laughs> replayability you know a bit of a buzzword in, in board games and whatnot but like how this game, you know, the, the base game of the uh, version of it, it has these 16 different departments that you can add onto your board, um, and uh, the donations are always the same. But I've played this game, I guess, nine times with the base game and then two times with some of the expansion components that came with the Kickstarter. And I found that essentially every one of those plays with the base game felt totally different from the previous one. I've only tried the expansion stuff because it was there and I was kind of curious, not because I was like, Personally feeling super exhausted by it. Uh, part of this game involves drafting a tile during setup that you're kind of reserving. And I've tried to draft a different tile at the start of every game, or at least for a while, to, to see the different flows of it. And I've been really impressed by how, you know, just playing the base game over and over again can still make different uh, game states that seem really similar. And Nick, I mean, I imagine just about all of your 70 plays have been base game only. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played with the expansion departments uh, uh chunk but mostly base game the other thing worth pointing out for me though is because i played the old version of the game like before they sort of made the edits for the official game that got out so i would say like maybe i don't know half of my games and i'm kind of just making up that number were like played with the old version speaking of replayability john i think that this is a game that does have that endless replayability for the variety it's a game you want to play nine times we talked about the the levels of strategy you can get to it's a game you want to play 70 times but i played the game like nine times within like four days days. and you know i i felt like suddenly i'd seen every building and i was i was i was kind of bored with it i felt like i had i felt like i had i'd had enough i'd gotten what i wanted out of it i kind of felt like okay like i've seen i've seen enough I understand the game now and I could see myself getting better. I could see the places where I had weak spots. I was like, I can't figure out donations. Okay. I figured those out. I can't figure out the map. I kind of figured that out. And then I was like, I don't know, like, but I felt like the buildings for me were the, were the weak spot where I just, I wasn't excited about them. I didn't see, you know, I've said this before. I love strategies that I can like pull out. I can see at the beginning of the game and I can be like, Ooh, I'm going to do that, that this game. You know, we talked about this dead reckoning. Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to play these cards this game. 
So I didn't really see that. And um, then John and I played last night. He said, let's play with the expansion. I almost said no, but he was like, uh, but he was kind of started pitching it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So the expansion has new buildings. It's not that many, right? Is it like eight new buildings? No, 16. 16. It's a full other set. 16. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It has a bunch of new buildings. They all have what I, at least the ones that came out in our game, which was only about five of them, they all had really interesting new dynamic strategies that I felt like added elements. At the beginning of that game, I felt like there were two paths to take where I was like, ooh, this combo would be cool or this combo would be cool. And, and I think this is super key, new donations because I was also bored with the donations. There were like, there's the there's a bunch of them, but it became fairly apparent very quickly that there's a couple of obvious ones that kind of everyone kind of goes for and you're like, okay, I got to take that. And I've said this, about a lot of games in the past where I'm like, you know, I said this about Messina 1347. I was like, I'm afraid that there's going to be like a route that you're going to fall in. You kind of have to do. And I was starting to feel that a little bit with Carnegie. I was like, if I don't put this here, if I don't do this, you know, am I not, you know, playing the game well enough to do well? And I think that those new donations, it was bomb. So the Kickstarter version shipped with all this expansion content. We keep saying expansion. Yeah. Like I said, it's just a, a series of modules, new departments you can add in new, uh, donations you can add in, that kind of thing. Uh, it's shipped with the expansion version. The retail version doesn't have it. It's my understanding that there are some ways to acquire it, uh, like as an individual thing, but I'm not super versed in that. So I, I don't think it's a Kickstarter exclusive, but I think for the most part, that is where the expansion currently lies. So we don't want to like belabor the expansion too much, but um, it is cool that all that stuff was in there. And I, I enjoyed the variety that brought, e even though I have enjoyed playing the base game over and over again, it was also fun to be like, oh, this is shiny. After, you know, seeing largely the same set over and over again. Yeah, I hope I hope that it gets released or if it's available or even if you can just add some of those elements because I do think for me personally playing it that much, now not everyone's going to play it nine games in a week, but I do think that that's what I was missing. I was already, I told John, I was like, I am so glad we played this game. I was all ready to come to this podcast and say, you know, yeah, it's a good game. It's solid. I'll play it anytime. I'm really, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm. It's good. And now after that play last night, playing with the new stuff, I was like, oh, this fixed the sort of sameness that I was like afraid I'd fallen into. And maybe, maybe I can get some of my friends to... to I mean, speaking to... as someone who has taught this game to many <laughs> new people, I have seen them fall on their face and be like, that was the best game I played in a while. Still see a glimmer in the eye. Yeah. So like, it's been fun. <laughs> it's genuinely That's fun cool. to introduce this game to people. That's part of the reason why... I've talked to so many people because I'm like, oh, you know, my friend Matt is going to really like this. Oh, my friend Claire is going to really like this. Oh, Anastasia. I mean, for months now, I, I keep talking about it. We've got a, like, private Discord server where we plan <laughs> yeah. friendly ties stuff. And I kept being like, played Carnegie again. It was freaking great. I can't believe Anastasia hasn't played this yet. <laughs> so I felt very validated <laughs> when I played it, when I taught this to you. And then you played it. And even though you didn't have a very fun first play, just seeing you go crazy over this last week, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not crazy. I'm. I like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know There's a very Moorish aspect to this one for sure. I know, but I didn't even think I enjoyed it. Like I, I was like doing that, but I was like, I still wasn't convinced. I still wasn't. I was. I know. I know that sounds insane, but I just wasn't. I get it. Was it, literally? It was that play last night. It took me eleven plays, and then I, apparently, I just I, you know, it takes me a lot of dates to get down the altar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, 
Carnegie is a game that I have not been able to shut up about for a long time. And it's been really fun watching uh, Anastasia's pr- you know montage over the last week, training <laughs> montage. Um, and it's been fun playing this game a whole bunch. Like, like I said, I played five times in the last three weeks or so, I think. And I... <sighs> As of this moment, I'm considering this the best game that I that, that I've played this year, and I, I've been kind of feeling like that for a Ooh. minute, just Ooh, because he's of throwing the, that down. He's throwing it yeah, down well, just because of the, the the freshness of the feel and 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 just I don't yeah. know. I've just really enjoyed playing. It. And again, I won this game a bunch, and so part of me is tempering it. Like, okay, maybe you were just liking it because you kept coming out on top, and then suddenly you're not winning, and now you're like, oh, maybe. Maybe it's not my thing as much. I'm going to figure that out, but it's just incredibly fresh. Like it's whenever anybody asks me like, oh, what's a cool game that's come out this year? This is the first game I talk about because, and they say, what's it like? And then I'm like, well, that's why this game is so exciting because it's it's hard to describe. And I'm really glad we had this conversation for like a hundred reasons. But one of them is like, we always, we learn more things about this game talking about it. And it never occurred to me after 11 games and talking about this one ad nauseum with friends forever, that it's a programming game on top of so many other things. And like, I, that's my big takeaway from this discussion. Yeah. Of like it's almost more a programming game than it is a lead follow game. Uh, I know. <laughs> so, I was going to say that same thing. Like totally. Yeah, and, and, and that just, that just speaks so much to the game that not only each time do I play it, do I feel like I see new layers and depths and be like, Oh my gosh, I see a hazy thing. Like, a hundred feet below me. I th- I thought I was already near the bottom, but I'm not even close. But even just discussing it every time I talk about it, I, I kind of come up with some new way to look at it that makes me be like, man, this game is just cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it defies it defies a lot of the sort of like norms. And I think that's what makes it stand out. The thing about this game is it's very rare for me to fall in love with a game that doesn't spark me on the first play. Usually there's something in the first play of it that like, just gets me and then I'm like ooh, that's so cool I like I gotta figure this out and and I know that you guys are looking at me like what are you talking about you then played this game nine times you know six of which were in the next two days but it, that almost was like a frustration like I need to figure this one out why don't I understand it like kind yeah. of level I wanted to see it and so it's just it's very interesting for me uh to come at it now and to be like oh, this one's like really digging its claws in. But, you know, what I what sparks me about it is is changing. And I think that probably has a lot to do with the fact that it's such a interconnected game state of how you that semi-cooperative, again, still not the word, uh, <laughs> way of, of playing just makes for such a different experience. Um, but that's so tied to the way we play it. But man, it is a good game. It is a really, yeah. um, I still have a couple reservations about it mostly just in that kind of like sharp edges and replayability but you know i guess in like a couple of months when i'm like a master at it i'm be like oh this is the best game ever play me <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see. uh okay so that that's uh i think that brings us to the end of carnegie here uh, this has been a fun journey one of our this might be our it longest very likely episodes. Is. yeah we'll see yeah, we'll so see much to edits. say and honestly we could have said so much more it, there's like whole mechanics that we didn't really even harp on we spent a lot of this conversation in the emotional yeah. space and i think that's because carnegie is a is a is a very logical game that generates a lot of emotions <laughs> um and and I, th- I think that's just the reality going in it it's definitely worth checking out if you're you know, into uh, medium or slightly heavier games, but you know, keep in mind that that first game is is probably going to feel really weird, and so give it give it the double shot. Yeah. I think you'll appreciate it. Um, but thanks for being along. And if you if you want to see 
uh, you know, again, John has has both a, a playthrough with directions and then an actual play with friends. So you can kind of watch the game being uh, played live if you're curious for more of it. Yeah, you can experience a full play without playing it if, if you really want to, uh, watching the video. But, you know, that's not everybody's bag. Yeah, and please uh, check out the YouTube version of this and leave us some comments, especially I'm dying for a new semi-cooperative word, so um, I would love that. <laughs> Give us yeah. some options, and we'll uh, when we find a winner, we'll use it forevermore. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and thanks for hanging out with us. Wow. Wow.